Blog Talk Radio. But I told them the wrong time. I got the times mixed up because they're in America. So I said, oh, yeah, it's four your time. It's now three their time. So, uh, so they're going to come on in a little bit. So I'll add them on when they're ready. I'm talking to them on Facebook now. So that's why. So it's no problem. Crisis avoided. So, yeah, no problem. They'll be on at some point. Because tonight, tonight is all about... WrestleMania. No, it's all about Atari. It's all about... I am a real American. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I need to see this. Good times. So... Well, yeah. Basically, we had um, Retromania on Friday night, which was... um, Because it was our 30th live stream for Retro Unlim. We had a Retromania pod, uh, live stream because it's 30th WrestleMania this week. Or rest, it's not the 30th WrestleMania, it's WrestleMania 30 because the 30th WrestleMania is actually WrestleMania 31. Because it would to be the 30th WrestleMania, WrestleMania would have had to start WrestleMania 0. Right. Because the, this is the 29th occurrence, which is WrestleMania 30. Does that make sense? Because you're... You're born at naught, and then on your first anniversary, so you've been alive for one year, then you turn one. Does that make sense? Fuck it, we'll go with it. Cool, right. Anyway, as I was saying, so we, <laughs> we had this massive thing in Jail76 Gaming. Tonight released um, a video with two Battle Royales, and a special mystery main event at the end of it, um, with all the cast of um, Retromania. Now, I'm not going to give anything away, but I will cut this promo. I'm the best there is. The best there was, and the best there ever will be. Oh, snap. <laughs> Bret Hart. <laughs> so, Man alive. Anywho, so I'm, I'm really psyched. I think I'm going to stay up, but by the 12 o'clock, my, um, the energy drink would have faded out of me anyway. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so tonight we're going to be talking, Tom. Of course, sorry, I haven't even introduced my brilliant co-host. Riley and Tom, how's it going from the East Coast? Yeah, it's going, it's going pretty sweet. It's going pretty damn sweet. How about yourself? How's it going over there in the West? West Coast. <laughs> California, no. Uh-huh. Uh, Bristol. <laughs> B-R-S-Z-L. B-R-S-Z-L. Brizzle. Yeah. Is that, more, is that more gangster than California? Well, they, they do actually call it Brizzle. So. All right. 
you know, I, I can deal with it. I can, I can hit the brizzle to the shizzle. Yeah, yeah, the shizzle. The, the retro shizzle in the brizzle. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, but do check out JL76 because you've got stars on there like Lawn Boys Post 1975. Uh, I am on it, JL76, Gasset, Monkey Spaz is on there. Um, there's a cameo from someone else we all love. Um, there's Console Snob, Harry Yak, Mr. Retro Unlim, JL76 Gaming. Loads of, there's, there's 12 of us taking part in the Retro uh, Unlim Battle Royals, and then there's the main event as well. It's an, it's a, it's an hour of fun. It's fantastic. That's that is amazing. Yeah. Um, Novabug, of course. Novabug, who I missed out. I always miss Novabug out, but he's, he's got... He got shouted out by Steve Benway this week for being a good channel. Yowza. I expect. He did Dizzying it. Heights. Yeah, he was... Um, that was on his 200 subscriber, so I expect he's now on to his 300 subscriber video. Awesome. Uh, well, Keep on trucking. Shot up to 237 from 200 in a day, so... Yeah, I'm sure he's doing well. Yeah, keep reaching for that rainbow, Novabug. <laughs> One day you'll get there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Whatever. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway... So, yeah, tonight is about Atari, the life and times of Atari, how it started out making the very first video game to modern day, really. Um, it still makes a huge impact on the gaming world, which quite a few people probably aren't aware of just what they do nowadays. So, um, but they, they make they, dental tools or something? They, they do some crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> anyway. Right on. Anyway. So, um, how have you been? And what have you been playing and what have you been buying and all that shizzle this week, Tom? Um, I've been pretty good slash stupid. Um, quick plug, I actually uh, I was on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire last night. All right, my son, yes. For those of you who don't know, Tom is an aspiring, well, not aspiring, but aspiring professional musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, heavy, <laughs> a heavy metal tribute band is probably the best way to describe it, I would imagine. Do what? Nah, not at all. <laughs> go on, go on, tell about your band. Psychedelic, psychedelic, psychedelic 60s rock, I guess. But uh, yeah, we managed to get a little slot on BBC Radio Cambridge Shaw, um, doing some plugs for a new album, and we got to play some songs. It was very cool. Um, but other than that, I've been spending far too much money on old computers. And you, that's like, a, you play bass, yeah? Um, I actually play keyboards, but I did play some bass last night because there was only three out of five of us. Oh, nice. I, I thought you did, like, 80s metal covers. Uh, you know, oh, like, no. hair metal. Oh, no, 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 no. I do, I do play in another band. Uh, oh, okay. Screaming Venom. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, um, yeah, but it was really fun. Um, but on a more game-related note, I have been spending far too much money. What'd you on get? Come computers. on. Um, I'm going to try to do some videos about them, because I think it's going to be pretty interesting. But I have managed to acquire um, a Macintosh... Uh, FDHD uh, from 1989 oh. and an Amstrad CPC 464 with a color monitor and a oh, shit Novabug will bum you for that because that's what he loves he loves the CPC oh dude yeah hook me up with that guy because I'm gonna I need to pick his brains hmm 
definitely. But um, I've got a few other things uh, in the pipeline. Um, I'll tell you what, Chris, actually, if you know anybody who's, like, uh, big into, like, vintage computing stuff, hook me up. Because... Well, well, what are you looking for? Uh, mostly Macintosh software, actually. <laughs> I know a guy who's local to me, Mike. Has uh-huh. loads of stuff in. He just had a Dragon 32 in, which I just got B2. Ooh, do you know what? I saw one of those the other day for 20 quid. Actually, yeah. I think what I was going to send you, there was a dude on eBay. It was all untested, which made me suspicious, but it was like 40 quid with £10 postage. It was the biggest Commodore 64 collection I've ever seen in my life. Nice. It was just like... Like, I think there's like two Commodore 64s, just boxes and boxes of software, like three tape decks for it, a shit ton of other add-ons. Like, it was crazy. Like, it, oh man, I was tempted, but I'd already spent too much money on the Amstrad and the Macintosh at that point, so I had to call it a day. Cool. Well, I've just hooked you up with Chris online. This right on. Guy. Um, and I'll do the same in a moment with uh, with Mike, who's like... My local reseller, but he's a nice reseller, you know. There's yeah, two yeah. or three of them I know around there, which are... Saints. Yeah, just, just <laughs> nice guys who do it to make a little bit of extra cash. They don't make mountains of it, but... Yeah, yeah. Speaking of making mountains of cash, picked up Shadow Hearts Covenant on the PS2. Ooh, yes. For a pound. Wow. At the car boot. Uh, already, already traded it in with uh, my good buddy, Sweet Gamer Raz. Nice. I, I took it to a shop, a retro shop. I knew they were going to rip me off, and they said, well, look, we'll give you 20 trade value or 15 cash. Uh-huh. So I said to Razzler, how about we do it for 20 quid retro, um, 20 quid of uh, trade, like 20 quid's worth of trade. And he said, yeah, that's cool. Uh-huh. So I picked up off of him, um, which I'm going to get a Blackpool, um, on the PSP Ghostbusters. Nice. Uh, Crash Mind Over Mutant. Uh, then on the PS3, the Assassin's Creed 3 Steelbook. Ooh. And Dungeon Siege 3. Okay. Which I thought was quite good, actually. Sure. Yeah, nice. Ghostbusters nice. being the more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like £10 for that yeah. PSP game. So, you don't really sit in the wild too often. No, and it, that's what happens with these, with these PS2 games. You know, they do... Occasionally, I'll come across one, and I actually rang up Laura, and I said she used to play the Shadow Hearts games, and oh yeah, so Shadow good. Hearts, and I got her to check it out, and I checked it on my phone, and it was like twenty, thirty quid selling for, and I was like, that can't be right. So yeah. I got her to check it. Yeah, I was right. So yeah, sometimes it does smile on you. And Those games are wacky as fuck. I love them. Like Eastern Block kind of Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you maybe. Could, like transform into more than twenty creatures and all kinds yeah. of shit. So really weird. Super wacky. Yeah, what a fine man. One pound. One pound. Yeah. I got a bunch of things this week. Really good. Um, 
Couple have you got have you got a soundboard from Robocop? I'd buy that for a dollar. Can we can we load that up? Um yes, <laughs> I will load that up for next week. So thanks, thanks buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that that was pretty good. Um and I got a couple of other bits, but really this week I've been playing um uh, Final Fantasy Ten still. Ooh, how are you getting on with that? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it, and as well as that. All right, all right. As well as that, um, Pokemon Y. Pokemon Y. Because I gotta. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's um, that's definitely um, really coming on. I love Pokemon Y. Um, probably a little bit too much, actually. It's <laughs> it's definitely. Like it's just one of those games where you can't describe why you like it so much. It's a total time sink, though. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, a good time sink. Yeah, man. Yeah. Because it's it's just an easy way to like unwind, and you can keep on doing the same battles. So it's never gonna like um, win anything like uh, like any major story awards or anything. But. Uh-huh. Still a great game to go into every week. Oh, for sure, man. I don't want to talk about Pokemon too much on the podcast because I don't want people to know how much I may or may not like it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a video someday of some of the things I've got, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> so yeah, a pound. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, buddy. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> It's on there now. It's on there. So we like it. We've got that on our on our soundboard. Banked, banked in the soundboard. And I always put. If you ever have to do these, forever, they're always RRP at the start on the soundboard. So. I buy know. that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. monkey, monkey Spaz will love that. I know he will. Yes, yes, that's awesome. That reminds me, actually, we've got a Faz books now. Got what? got a Facebook page. We have, we have, of course. Uh-huh. Of course we have, which is um, facebook.com forward slash retro renaissance podcast. Uh-huh. Um, all of our stuff gets put up there. So, for instance, we um, we put up about tonight. All the past stuff goes on there. Tom does loads on there. Loads. Much more than me. <laughs> yeah, you lazy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, my Facebook page is stand at Chris Shank, the Two Fat Bastards, Retro Unlimited Network, and the Retro Renaissance Podcast. So, <laughs> that reminds me, actually, dude. Uh, plug the t-shirts. Can, can, can we buy one? Can we? What, a Retro Renaissance t-shirt? No, a Two Fat Bastards t-shirt. But oh, yeah, yeah. Two, two Fat Bastards. So, for those of you, which is probably all of you... Embargo, you're not supposed to tell them about the Retro Renaissance t-shirts yet. Ah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Who like um, Two Fat Bastards? I'm holding an S up now, a small, which is, good God, how was I ever an S? Um, <laughs> which has two fat bastards on the front. And even I love the really Just coughing to death after laughing. Two fat bastards on the front on a baseball print kind of style, and then on the back, mouths with arseholes attached. <laughs> like you in, in the style. <laughs> Well, no, it's a, it's a joke about my stepson, actually, because he, he just eats us out of house and home. And he's, a, he's, got, and he's an arsehole attached to that mouth. There's an arsehole. He hasn't, he hasn't got what? 
And he, has, he hasn't got a job, so yeah. <laughs> I really want one of these t-shirts. <laughs> I will get you one. Do not worry. And, and oh. you know what? I've already we've already sold a bunch of them. So that is awesome. me and Carl having one. Um, I took two more orders today off of our viewers. Uh, Sweet Gamer Raz has bought one. Uh, Malk Smooth MJ's bought one. We're, um, so, and we're going to be plugging the shit out of Two Fat Bastards this Friday out of those shirts. So hopefully we'll get some more. The idea is, at the minute we've been doing it at cost, which is £15, so there are only £15. And the idea is, is the, um, the more that we do it in one lump, we get like a discount. And we'll, we'll keep that discount, but it's like £1.50 a shirt, you know. So out of five shirts, which is the first one, we get... Uh, £7.50 back, which I don't think is too much hassle considering we buy them and we go through all the shit for them and all that. Um, but they are £15, and if you want them posted, it's an extra £2. Um, but if you're coming to Playback, obviously I'll just hand it over. And we will sign them for free at Playback. Why would you want to devalue them like that? <laughs> devalue. <laughs> we'll see. We'll oh, see. Lord. Well, that's the plugs out of the way, buddy. That's the plugs out of the way. So we've got this week Atari on. So I'll go through the, the normal history stuff. And then along came Atari. I mean, Atari was... Um, well, it started all, really. Before Atari, there were... Um, Sega had these... Well, not just Sega, but Sega had the, the ones that I've seen, which are like the mechanical video games. So like in Back to the Future Part 3 where he's using a gun to shoot things and they turn around and it's all that kind of keepy score thing. Well, how far back do you want to go? I mean, there's William Higginbottom's like oscilloscope tennis game, for Christ's yeah, sake. Exactly. But the, the first popularised video game, shall we say, was Computer Space. It was, yeah. It was the, first, Gorgeous the, world's, cabinet. the world's first arcade video game, which was made by um, Syzygy and Engineering. Nolan Bushnell. Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney. Right on. Um, and they built it for Nutting Associates. Was, um, do you know if Al Alcorn was on with Syzygy no. on the computer space? He wasn't. No, it was in court. He was brought into it as, their, as Atari's first design engineer when Atari was in, uh, incorporated in uh, 1972. Ah, okay. Um, but those two guys, they, they were the guys behind computer space. So they took that idea and they rang with it. Um, have you ever text. seen the Have you ever seen the computer space cabinet? Yeah, man. It's oh, so gorgeous! They've got one of you. If, if anyone's ever seen the film Soylent Green, there's one of There's one in there. Like the best um, way to describe it, it's like a midnight blue, spacey with like. Um, it's it's like that weird fiberglass of like tube? like metal flecked kind of. They used to make motorcycle helmets out of them until they realised that when yeah. you kind of crash and get bits of fiberglass in your body, you die. Uh, <laughs> You, yeah, it's like a, a 60s tube TV with the, the CRT back quite a distance. Yeah. Um, so you control a rocket ship using a thruster and a pair of rotational buttons. So you, you just turn it around and you go forward um, and you well, evade enemy fire. Well, there was, I mean, there was like kind of, I mean, the, the initial version of it, there was like so many different knobs. And like, considering this is like no one had ever experienced anything like this before, this is why it didn't catch on. It was just far too complicated. I've never played one and I've never seen one um, uh, like in the, um, in the flesh. Yeah. I've seen them in computer. But of course, it was bootlegged in 1972 by um, a game company called 4Play. <laughs> um, as Star Trek. 
Well, wasn't initially didn't Nolan Bushnell steal it from somebody else because initially computer space could only be played yeah. on like PDP tens at like universities, which cost like ten, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, it was also in Jaws as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next to old school pinball tables because it was the time of pinball so that kind of mechanical thing comes back to lot comes back to me yeah so yeah definitely yeah it's um so they, they created that basically the first test that these guys gave Bushnell was make an arcade version of the Magnavox Odyssey's tennis game um which of course we all now know as Pong uh-huh he totally ripped off Pong from uh is from it tennis what the hell was the guy's name? It always escapes me. Ralph Bayer. Yes. The guy who invented the Madden Fox Odyssey. Yeah, it was, Bushnell got found out like years later because he kind of, like when he brought it out, he was he claimed, oh, I've never seen this thing before. It was totally original. And then they kind of found his name in the guest book where uh, Bayer had initially presented it like years before. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, proved that he kind of had been there and he had totally ripped off the idea. But he he made it work. Yeah, and so the the interesting story there is while Atari was done in uh, 1972, Syzygy Engineering was never actually formed. So it was kind of a weird kind of setup. Um, and basically, Bushnell wrote down loads of words, um, starting from the game Go, uh, from, sorry, taken from the game Go, and eventually chose Atari, which in the context of the game Go means a stone or group of stones which is imminently in danger of being taken over by somebody's opponent. Yeah, isn't it a Japanese word? That's right. In yeah. Japanese, it's the normalized, the, sorry, the nominalized form of a taru, yeah. meaning to hit the target or to receive something lucky. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't normally get it. So it's kind of like when somebody hits the lottery, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. And uh, it's kind of cool. So it was, anyway, June 27th, 1972, it was incorporated in the state of California. Well, I mean, initially, wasn't, um, sorry to go back to this, but I mean, uh, Ralph Bayer did kind of ran off and sort of tried to sue over the fact that, like, Bushnell had completely ripped off Pong. Um, and I think it was basically that like, Atari bought the rights to video games from Ralph Bayer for, like, I think it was like $100,000. Yeah, and then that was it. From um, then on, like then Atari then shit gold. 
Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Um, <laughs> and they always had people around them, like competitors and stuff. In fact, um, at one point, um, Nolan's next door neighbor uh, started up Key Games. <laughs> yes. So he, he didn't have to go around, um, so he could go around the pinball distributions. Yeah, that was uh, a stuff. So it was kind of a weird thing at the time. He, he was a shyster man. Nolan Bushnell was a straight up carny. <laughs> Well, I call shenanigans. <laughs> and he loves sitting in the hot tub. But yeah, sorry, moving on. <laughs> anyway, so from there, um, Atari was spawned, basically. And you, do you know what? The, those original kind of games, consoles, whatever, they were amazing. Um, the Stella. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, they, it took them a few years, so in 1972 they were formed, but it wasn't until 76 um, that they thought of the VCS, or um, later renamed the Atari 2600. It was the first vid, video computer system, I should say. That's right. It'd be the first video game system with like, like actual like ROM, a little bit like ROMs programmed onto the cartridge. It had interchangeable cartridges, whereas before you would just kind of be. You would have like cartridges for a system like the Mad the Fox Odyssey, but essentially it wasn't really doing anything other than kind of flicking a switch That's right. inside the system. So the way that I remember it is that the Magnum Vox Odyssey almost used these, um, how they used to write programs was that it was like a series of dots, like almost like Braille, and then the machine would read the Braille and interpret the code. So software emulation at a very early stage, um, which is how the Odyssey ran. With the the program was hard coded into the chip with the Atari, which was the first time, like you said, that it's ever done it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, we kind of basically draw the screen and then put the screen up and then draw the screen and put the screen up. It's like there's and actually it, like it's a, ironic now that we've gone back to that really when yeah. you think about this um, with Sony doing their stuff with stream games and stuff. That that's how it's going to be. You, you're going to have heavy software emulation. Um, and again, with computing, we've, we've gone back to that with cloud computing. Everything's up there now. Um, it doesn't sit locally. Everything's on a server. It's yeah. kind of strange. Kind of strange. It's scary. It's Skynet all over again. Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> Skynet will become self-aware and we're doomed. So Bushnell, he knew with the 2600 um, he was going to do okay. Um, so he just sold out, basically. He sold it to a company um, called Warner Communications for 32 minutes. And he said, fuck you, I'm off. Well, um, I also mentioned that Ted Dabney like, dropped out just before Atari had kind of hit that. Yeah, that's that true. Yeah, so he, he lost got loads of money. Yeah, he got cold feet. Uh, Bushnell bought him out and became like sole CEO of the entire company. And from then on, it was just like cha-ching, basically. It was good times as well, up until Warner. The Warner buyout, and yeah, that's where I mean they they got rid of the pinball side of things, didn't they? Well, you had like two kind of uh, well, yeah, I guess yeah they did, and then you, wouldn't Atari kind of split into two companies? You had like Atari Games, and then like the Atari Corp. Yeah, um, and eventually Bushnell got fired, you know, and uh, he said um, the the quote that I've got here is we started fighting like cats and dogs, and then the wheels came off that fall. Warner claimed they fired me. I say I quit. It was a mutual separation.
2600, of course, coming out of this time. Um, lots and lots of arcade ports. Not great arcade ports, let's be <laughs> honest. Um, but for the time, being able to play arcade-quality games in your home, that was amazing. You know, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, um, Defender, Centipede. Well, I mean, this was still at a time when just being able to manipulate things on your TV was a novelty. Exactly, exactly. Do, do you know what the funny thing about the 2600 is? It's still such a huge hit with fans today. Oh, God, yeah. Massively. You know, um, the, the, the guy who wrote Halo originally, one of the, the lead developers on Halo, the original Halo, went back and wrote Halo for a 2600. Yes, oh, Christ. <laughs> his, his name's on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, I know who you mean. Um, what a homebrew. You know, here's, <laughs> yeah. here's one of the most famous um, franchises in video game history. Ah, oh, do you know what? Fuck it. I'll take it back to Atari, <laughs> to the 2600. Yeah. Um, and if you look on eBay, that game's £80 <laughs> to buy a cart for. Oh, yeah. There weren't too many produced, I shouldn't think. Right, yeah. So it's it's huge. And the, the, the things that he did with the code was fantastic. Yeah. Anyway... As, as soon as the 2600 was out, and the, this became, and it's still a theme today, um, the the successor was being built on, literally as soon as it was shipped. Um, and if you, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that PlayStation 5, the Xbox 2, and the Wii 3 are being uh, developed right now. You know, I've, I've no doubt about that. Um, so the idea is... Um, that while all this stuff was going on with the 2600 and it was great and it was a console, uh, the, the home computer revolution was taking off, so people were getting 286s and stuff like that at the time. So the machines were adapted. So they had a keyboard and various inputs, um, and they produced the Atari 800. Uh, and it's, and a, a smaller version, the 400. Uh, they were less attractive than the Apple II for some users, but they had success, and they did become available in huge amounts, you know. Um, and that was in 1980. Then in 1982, the 5200 was released, which was based on the 408 models, 800 models, but without a keyboard. And it flopped. I mean, this thing stank. You know, the, the games were... Of, absolutely terrible quality the joysticks were the the biggest hanging point of all for people um they were just awful you know and the, the paddles i remember them being really really cheap um when i've played them before they they're just no good um and what's worse is people i don't correct me if i'm wrong here tom but you couldn't play 2600 games on a 5200 could you uh you needed the adapter yeah it wasn't backwards compatible straight out of the box which was a big problem back then because I mean, this though like, this was the first like generational hardware shift. No one had ever attempted this before. And at the time, you know, you're trying to tell the average American consumer or whatever who's had the same record player and the same TV for the last 20, 25 years, like, well, I've just invested like so much into this system. Now you're telling me that I need to buy this next one? Like, mm. what you fucking crazy? Like, it, it was a big, it was a hard sell for them. It was a That's real right. hard sell. And you know, and um. There was a crash, you know, in part due to the, the 5200 not being received well by users, in part due to Atari running three different divisions for video games, you know, home computer, console, arcade. They're not well, gonna, they run, run completely independent with different uh, managing direct or CEOs, if you will, different... Are you, are you talking about the company or like the video the, games the industry company. in general? 
the company, Atari, had those three divisions running. Was this before, I mean, so, I mean, around this time, is this like after the Warner buyout when Ray yeah, Kazar was in so, charge? So, yeah, Ray, Ray Kazar was like, I mean, they'd gone from like, this company was like, it was run by Nolan Bushnell, but it was a bunch of like, really creative, like, let's face it, kind of hippie pothead types who were like, thinking up these like, concepts and like, basically... Very like, creative guys. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And like, straight out of that, like all of a sudden the executives move in and everything becomes like really locked down, really corporate. And Ray Kazar was like, um, I think he was like a, 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 a foreman at like a textile plant before mm. he joined Atari. And his way of running things was like, you know, he was very, like, the guy was an asshole basically. I mean, like Atari were making money hand over fist. And apparently like the bonuses for the programmers that year was a ham. Huh. The Christmas bonus was a ham, you know, and the company was yeah. making millions and millions of dollars. And what happened was, like, the the guys making the games weren't being credited. So like, you're talking about the, the fastest growing company in the history of the United States, and you get a fucking ham. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Congratulations on your Pac-Man, Port. Yeah. Here's a ham. They used to, they nicknamed Arsals. him, I think they nicknamed him the, the towel, the towels are, or something like that. But yeah, basically, what, what, what was going on, like, pe- the programmers weren't being credited for their work. And there was, that's you know, a, right, a, a lot their, of their credits weren't in a lot of the games, were they? Yeah, that's right. And uh, there, well, there is an Easter egg hidden in uh, Adventure. I think you can find the guy's initials. Yeah. That's the only time you can find it. But um, what had happened was, like, a lot of the the big, like, key programmers there, like David Crane and stuff like that, they they quit the fucking company. They'd had enough, and they formed uh, is it Activision? They formed Activision, yes. and yeah. uh, they were basically going up against Atari. And they, to... they made games on the Atari, and Atari couldn't do anything about it. Well, no, I mean, they took them, they took them to court for it, but, it was, you know, like, uh, Activision Crane and everybody won. And yeah, uh, all of a sudden... The, 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 the ruling the... was, you can't tell somebody that they can't make a game for your system. Oh, yeah. Um, but Prop- the, there was a caveat that they had to license it, and a portion of profits went, but you can't tell someone what goes on your system. Oh, this yeah, was sorry. around the time, I think, that basically Windows had opened up the market, the home computer market, because up until that point, if you wanted to program for an operating system, there was you couldn't do it. But Windows just said, oh, fuck it, anyone can do it with our system. So that set a precedent then for people like Activision to make video games for Atari systems. The problem there being, though, was, I mean, although they won the battle, like, video games lost the war because the floodgates opened and everyone and their fucking mum could make as many video like shitty video games as they wanted so we got games like chase the chuck wagon like <laughs> like beat them and eat them <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like the, well yeah i mean i i experienced it myself my dragon 32 playing the king instead of donkey kong you know <laughs> which is fine and it's all good and well and all the rest of it but jesus you know um so 1983 that was different, um, though. Like, the home computer market stayed healthy, but the console market in 1983 just popped yeah, out. The, the, it it was fashion. called the video game crash of, wasn't it, 1983. Uh, $500 million um, was lost, basically. Oh, man, Atari lost everything. Warner's stock price, who uh, owned Atari, slid from $60 to $20. Yeah. Um, and they started to look for somebody to buy them. Kazar resigned in 1983. Well, I think um, he was. Did he resign or was he fired for uh, profiteering? No, he resigned. He, I know that he'd, uh, he. He was got, forced to resign. Yeah, he'd sold off a bunch of Atari stock. Like uh, they I, I had it there. They, they had it, Tom, didn't they? They had the Famicom, 
and they were in negotiations with Nintendo for the Famicom. Yes, this, this was when Jack Tramiel came over from Commodore and basically took over Atari. A lot of people like to say that, oh my god, Atari, so fucking retarded for not buying Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. The plan was initially, I've heard somewhere, was to sit on that competition and neutralize it. So should they have bought it, Nintendo may not exist. Mm. But the other thing is, is like when uh, a lot of people like to talk about Jack Tramiel as being this like asshole, like the, the worst person that could have like happened to Atari. Like his job was damage control. Like he came into the company and the company was fucked. They were hemorrhaging money, and his job was damage control, and that's what he did. Like and you know something like that, like buying uh, like this Japanese company trying to pitch this home video game system at a time when video game consoles were dead. Tom, like, I'm just gonna pop to the loo. You go alone for a minute, buddy. <laughs> Right on, um, but yeah, it just it wasn't a smart move for them at all. So it, it, it didn't end up happening. The merger didn't end up happening, and uh, that was pretty much it. Oh God, Chris, you've picked the worst time to go to the bathroom, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, so they did have quite. There was a lot of competition around this time as well, like. As much as there was an influx of shitty games into the market, there was also an influx of really shitty video game consoles. So there were so many crappy systems around about this time. Um, yeah, you, you can't even list it. You had like the Fairchild, Channel F. Like there were so many other systems. Like the list is endless. But their first real competition in the home video game market would have been the Intellivision, um, which was launched in, I want to say, maybe 80... Uh, Chris, you there? Yep. When was the Intellivision launch, buddy? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I want to say 1984. Oh, I want to say 81. Let's have a look. So, Intellivision... <laughs> Uh, 1980 in North America, 1982 Europe and Japan. Okay. 79 if you include the US test market. Right on. So you're, you're presumably talking about the, the competitors here. So you, you yeah. had the Intellivision and you had ColecoVision, I want to say? Yeah, ColecoVision, the leather company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everyone wanted a piece. Of, I mean, it, that was released in 1982 as well. So that just gives you an idea of how big this... You know, the people were springing up all, all over the fucking place with these things in 1982. Yeah. You know, huge, huge thing. The Famicom um, released in 1983. So while we had a crash in the Western world, the Famicom fucking... Oh, man. Took, took its place in 1983. You know, and, and the so the, you had uh, the Atari crash in the Western world and Famicom had the boom in the East, you know. So the boom in the east. The boom in the east. So I mean, realistically, you, you can't blame these companies. You know, they were they were taken out. So you had all that going on. You had these competitors coming up, and basically everyone's flopped on their ass. You know, mm -hmm. like you were saying, um, it's because what what happens if the market leader, which was undoubtedly at the time Atari, the market leader goes down, the market goes down with them. You know. Yeah.
in the end, you had um, your Jack Tramiel purchased them, didn't he? He did. The, um, the Atari, as it was, and uh, Warner sold the the home computer and game consoles for fifty dollars cash <laughs> and two hundred and forty yeah. million in promissory notes and stocks, giving Warner a twenty percent stake in Atari Corp. Um, who then used it to create a new company under the name Atari Corporation. Warner retained the arcade division, continuing under the name Atari Games, but sold it to Namco in 1985, um, and also sold the fledgling Atari Tel, i.e. Atari Television, uh, to Mitsubishi. So when did the uh, home computer market die out for Atari? Uh, 1986. Oh, shit. Well, not really, actually. That's not true, because you had the ST after that. So we'll, we'll go into that now, actually. So the so basically, the, the way that I've seen the Tremiel's interviews are, oh, fuck, you know, the Atari's failed. I've got to do this. What am I going to do? He brings out um, 16-bit computings coming along, so he brings out the, the Atari ST. Um, but while that's processing, uh, they released the update to the 8-bit computer line, the Atari 65 XE. Right. Um, and then the Atari 130 XE. And then they they kind of had these like early test groups, I want to call them, like user groups, where they would talk to them about Atari, kind of like a fan club, if you will. Uh-huh. And... He um, he used to test the early 520s T's on these in 1985. You know, think about how it was was it yeah 88 when the Mega Drive came out. You know, three years before that, they've got their hands on these 16-bit machines. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and in eventually in September 1985, the 32-bit 32-bit Atari STs. Wow. Massively expensive. Yeah, but, how much did that retail for uh, when it was released? Um, over here, I think it was in the region of £800, which is still cheap when you consider the PCs uh, were £2,000. I was about to say, over there, like most PC adverts like in the 80s would just be like, only 999999. He did that. And then he bought out two consoles. He bought out the Atari 2600 Junior, which had renewed vigor into the 2600, and the 7800, um, yes. which you could play 2600 games on. And he, he recognized the success of the 2600, and he said, you know what, fuck it, this thing needs to play those games. Let's well, what, ha- what happened was the NES had blown up in the US, and Atari were like, oh shit, we've got all these 7800s in storage, let's sell them for 50 bucks. But, but in 1984... They did earn a 25 million profit. Nice. Do you know what? The 7800 is a grossly underappreciated system. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, got, it's got Ninja Golf. I mean, do I need to say but anything the, the, else? The remakes of games like the 7800 version of Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, they're all fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. They're, they're really good ports. Um, so, 1987, um, they acquired the Federated Group for $67.3 million. So basically, the Federated Group was like, um, like Walmart, really. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was their own chain of stores in like select places in America, and they sold NESs in there, which is just really bizarre to me. Yeah, but 
you can guarantee what the salesman's line were on those. Oh. You know, let's be honest here. If you're to sell a product, like if I'm to sell um, something, then I'm going to talk about the pros versus the cons of the um, alternative. Yeah. And speaking of Nintendo, Atari, seeing the Game Boy's massive um, thing, said, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to bring out a color handheld. We're going to bring out the Atari Lynx. Wasn't that before Game Boy? No. I'm pretty sure it was. No, 1989 was the Atari Lynx. Wasn't it developed like in 1987 by Epix and they ended up just kind of sitting on it for a while? Yeah, the the problem was that the the parts, mate, were very difficult to get hold of because it oh, was fuck yeah. technology, you know, and that. But, mm, you know... The thing was so, huge as well. <laughs> Yes, it was. Initially, the initial designs were a lot smaller, but the problem is, is that the, and peop, video game companies still do this now. They used focus testing groups, and focus testing groups are fucking retarded. And like all these retard kids, sorry, all these other kids were just like, we want a bigger, <laughs> we want a bigger system. Like this, this sucks. Like we want a big system, like that we can't put in our pocket and weighs a ton that we could bludgeon someone to death with if they try and rob us. And the the other thing is, the Lynx because it had that color thing was more expensive heavier, had less battery life because of the colour display. Um, and because of the parts, you, it was very difficult to get hold of one. Oh, yeah. So, Game Boy won out. That plus Game Boy's epic partnering with Tetris was, oh, man. Uh, was, was the reason why it, it just didn't, didn't win out. And there was a Lynx 2 where they saw it out, but by that point, it was, it, it was all over. Um, Game over. Sorry, I watched the Street Fighter movie the other day. <laughs> so, Tramiel emphasised his computers over his games consoles in the end, the ST and stuff like that. But their sort of proprietary proprietary architecture um, lost out to the Windows Intel system where um, you could add in extra memory or change your graphics card or, you know, like we do nowadays. So that, that kind of building block machine kind of mentality. So many fortunes made and lost at Atari. Yeah. And they they did sue Nintendo. Yes. <laughs> in yes. 1989 for $250 million. Because um, they, were, they were Tengen, weren't they? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, no, they, they lost the case <laughs> when it was rejected. Uh, in 1992. <laughs> By that point, they were fucked anyway. They did win something, didn't they? Tengen? Tengen did, yeah. 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 Not not much, but like a much smaller case for like a million or something. Nintendo I... just laughed and said, fine, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I carry around in loose change, buddy. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I mean, Nintendo, that was strong arm tactics from Nintendo back in the 80s. Like, trying to control... Uh, they they had lots World. of choices, really. You know, yeah. They had money in the bank, but in ninety in ninety three, um, they positioned Jaguar and they said this is the only sixty four bit um, entertainment system available. This is our last ditch effort to claw something <laughs> back. Um, here's Alien versus Predator. Oh, everything else you can get on other consoles. Oh man, <laughs> sixteen plus sixteen plus sixteen plus sixteen equals sixty four. Yeah, and. It flopped. It absolutely flopped through the arse, you know. Um, they didn't do well. It wasn't pretty. Um, really shitty architecture that nobody could program for. Yeah, the the programmers were scratching their heads. They found it really difficult. So they've, they've eventually 
found themselves in 1996 with loads of money in the bank. Um, but Lynx and Jaguar had flopped so bad they had erectile dysfunction and <laughs> they didn't have anything to sell. <laughs> you know, so you're like, well, I've got loads of money, but I don't have anything to sell. Oh no, we'll, we'll sell all the we'll sell all these Jaguar. I go R and now. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be four years down the line. Oh man, I can release anything else. Such a sad death. it merged with JTS Incorporated who uh like um they made hard disk drives ooh um and all that happened was the Atari properties and support were passed over to them so that 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 was really the end of it and then it, eventually 1998 to 2000 um was that the infograms period no no this was just before the, this was the Hasbro period oh shit so they sold they sold the name and all the assets to Hasbro for five million, um, which was less than a fifth of what Warner had paid twenty two years earlier. Oh God! Uh, so it was primarily for the brand and the intellectual property. Um, Apparently, they they did an Apple like you know how Apple did with Steve Jobs like when they got him back to save the company like Atari tried to do the same thing with Nolan Bush though at some point they got him in to like oh, really. Make- to make some games for them. And it's like, Nona Bushnell doesn't really make games. <laughs> <It's just Yeah>. like... <laughs> so now, nowadays it's, it's all soft. It's all software. Um, oh, in yeah, the yeah. brands, the bastard frogs, they, <laughs> they, they took them over in 2001. Um, and they were going to reinvent the Atari brand with a launch of, um, two new games with a proper oh, Atari branding. <laughs> Splashdown and MX Rider. We'll oh, remember man. those classics. No, we don't. Oh yeah, Did, are they responsible for like all the like PlayStation versions of like Frogger and Pong and everything? Yeah, like? you know, and, and basically that's what Atari was living off of. That and its T-shirt sales. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> mugs. Yeah. So eventually, on March the sixth, two thousand eight, Infogrames made an offer to buy all of Atari Inc. All public share values for one pound sixty-eight share, one dollar sixty-eight a share, or eleven million dollars total. Now remember, these shares were worth eighty dollars at one point. Oh man! I'm sorry, sixty dollars at one point, and they're now worth one dollar sixty-eight. Yeah. Even I could afford a share in Atari at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and it made Infograms the sole owner, thus making it a privately held company. Um, and they, they, uh, they, they did it basically. Infograms bought it. Um, and from there, it's become a um, pretty much a software house. They've, they've bought Cryptic, who are an MMO developer, 
Oh shit. In uh, 2008. So, um, Sea of Heroes, Sea of Villains, uh, Champions Online, Star Trek Online, and Neverwinter, which is the new one, which is actually very good. Oh, cool. Well, the um, uh, like uh, the 360 uh, PC test drive unlimited games published. Were they published yeah. by Atari? Unreal Tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And various other games. Y- you uh, will, you will still see their name around on certain yeah, things. Yeah, sure. Um, thankfully, Namco Bandai purchased a 34% stake in Atari Europe in 2009. It had Atari had, had loads of problems, loads of money leaking out everywhere, um, and eventually uh, changed over again. And the co-founder Nolan Bushnell, in an April 2010, joined the board, <laughs> and 11 months later was gone. <laughs> and that was it. Well, fuck this! I'm, I'm out. Back to the hot tub. Um, I've and got part to smoke. January last year, January 2013, um, uh, filed for relief under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code in the United States. Sad day. Ay, ay, ay. All three Ataris emerged from bankruptcy one year later and announced plans for a mobile-based roller coaster tycoon for and the entering of the social gaming casino industry with oh. Atari Casino. Uh, <laughs> some guy called Fred Chesney, who now heads all three companies, stated their entire operations consist of a staff of 10 people. Dude, I didn't think this would be this depressing, but my God. That is... Um, <laughs> That is the life and times of Atari, and we've, we've spent nearly the whole bloody episode just going through that sad, sad state of history. Yeah, sorry if I've been waffling over you, but this is a, this is a big subject for me. Yeah, it is, you know, and we, to be fair, we've only done the history here, so we'll revisit this and talk about what's good about Atari in the future. Oh, man, this is like 5% of it. There is a really good book, actually, but I can't remember the name of it. It's like fucking 800 pages long, which sounds like a little unwieldy, but once you start reading it, it oh, man, it's, it's just fascinating. Mm. But you would not believe the shit that happened to that company, especially mm. during the good times as well. Man, that place yeah, was like fucking 24-hour party know, house. People like, literally. It, but Gauntlet, oh, man. Fax, Ms. Pac-Man... Afterburner, these are all the 10 gen ones. Fantasy Zone, you know, um, Pac Man, Pac Man, Paperboy. E.T. No. I actually like E.T. Shinobi. <laughs> um, Tubin. Tubin. Tubin's amazing game on the NES. Just huge, huge, huge developer. Um, do so well. So, so well. For sure. It's, do you, um, um, do you, have you have you still got anything Atari related hardware wise? Yeah, I got Woody. Nice, you got Woody. Yeah. For yeah. the benefit of anyone who doesn't know what that is, that is a console, not an erection. <laughs> it's a wood a wood fronted um, twenty six hundred. Nice. I've got the uh, I've got the Black Vader and the Rainbow Junior. Oh, nice. Very cool. And I've actually got an ST five twenty E in um, in box. Oh shit. Yeah. Which oh I've man! Never used. I might. I might. I might you keep it as trade bait. 
No, I've uh, someone someone said that someone gave me a graphics card to upgrade my computer, and um, their mother-in-law lives in Bristol, so whenever he comes next, he's just taking it. Ah, right on, right on. As my wife would say, "Oh, great, another box of useless shit." Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Atari is a sad, sad story. You know, it, it is. Yes, but it's very important. It is important. Yeah, it's um. We could do like ten episodes on this. It's... Yeah, yeah. That that that's like a, a brief history, an, an hour's worth of um, Atari, if you will. Maybe not chronologically correct either, but fuck it, we'll run with it. It's not like anybody's listening anyway. Hey man, listen, I've seen the stats. We're doing well. Are we doing okay? Yeah, we're doing well, man. Trust me. <laughs> Plus, when I can actually be bothered to download and re-upload to YouTube those views, <laughs> yeah, it does all right. It does okay. And if anybody is listening and they, they have a subject that they want us to talk about, um, do get in touch on Facebook on the Retro Renaissance Podcast. Um, or um, if you want to be on the show, if you want to talk about something, let us know as well. Um, Brian, it's a, sh- uh, it's a sorry, shame that the little Retro Brothers weren't here today, but we will get yeah. them on because. That's that's a really interesting take how a six-year-old views Atari because he's Hayden from the Little Retro Brothers is an absolute Atari nut. He loves them to bits. Those kids are cool. And they are very cool. I was um, streaming Hearthstone live the other week and uh, Zoe was sitting on my lap while we were doing it on Twitch and they were watching Yeah. and Noah was shouting at the TV saying, we were saying, hi Noah, the younger of the two. Yeah, and so he's going hi Noah, and Noah was shouting at his TV, asking why they could, why we couldn't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. very very cool kids, very cool adorable. Kids. But do you know what the, the the key thing for Atari is um, that it really <laughs> opened up our eyes to to gameplay. You yeah, know, those those single screen things that they had, and I I was watching somebody do uh, Beam Rider earlier. Is it Beam Rider? Beam Rider? It's, it's an Activision game, ironically enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's Beam Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, there's there's five beams of light, and stuff flies across. Not necessarily on those beams, but it shoots down on those beams. Yeah. Um, and that was on, I think it was uh, in television, maybe, actually. Yeah. Not that era, anyway. And it's just such a great game, you know? Yeah, man. A good game. Um, I know, actually, was it? No, yeah, it was on the Atari 2600 as well, Beam Rider. So, yeah, it's um, it's well worth doing. And uh, if we have a look now on eBay, Beam Rider, let's have a look. Um, Beam Rider 2600. Yeah, it's, it's a 20, £20 pound game. $20 game, sorry. Right on. So it's it's kind of a cool one, and it has it's kind of cool because it has two different um, labels as well. So you have like this weird psychedelic version, and the the plain white label with text on it. Okay. <laughs> you know the ones I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw um, Lacto back of his primer, and I I think he did it for um, for uh, in television, and then Ninja Bearhug did a. A uh, 2600 version, but it's, it's ten. There's, there's one on eBay right now for ten pounds. Nice. 
that is, is and that is um, that's my game at the minute for the twenty six hundred. I would say. So what? Yeah, I was about to ask quickly. What is uh, your? If you want to rattle off a couple or just one favorite twenty six hundred. Oh, adventure. Oh man. Hero. Amazing. Yes. Um. Kaboom. Yeah, just 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 those. You know, they're they're just great. I. Um. Missile command. Yeah, missile missile command was cool because you had that weird um, pad for it as well, didn't you? Demon attack. There was another one I'm trying to think of in space, obviously, as every Atari cartridge is in space, and it has to have a rainbow as well. Uh, um, you would like this weird kind of bug spaceship. Xenophobe. No, not xenophobe. Oh, it's literally on the tip of my tongue. Like, it's, people are going to scream it at me. Ah, oh, there was like this. You were shooting this thing in space, and there was like this little dot trying to like that would kind of come after you and you had to get in the safe zone and trying to avoid being hit by this dot while you were shooting this spaceship. Oh, oh my mean, mate. No, God, it's... Um, no, it's not. I'm just looking through some games now. It's not It's not Demon Attack. It's... Super Cobra? No, it's... um. Oh, no. it out now. Ikari Warriors was one of my favourite, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I had like... good games as well, like um, Cuba had... was a decent yeah. version. So I say, it had good joysticks as well, man. You could abuse of course, those things. The, the first ever viewing of the Mario Brothers. Yes. On a home console, which is yeah. something we missed out completely there. Mario Brothers on Atari. <laughs> then, there's um, all the, then there's all the porn games as well. Spider Fighter. Street Racer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Adventures of Tron. Was Death Racer for on Atari 2600? I think... It may have been. But there, there were other stuff, you know. Um, and you, you can get these clone consoles now, which I recommend people pick up because they're just fun. Or just, you can actually play legally Atari games on, there's a BBC site you can do, which um, if anybody's interested, give us a shout and we'll put it up. Centipede. Yeah. Pitfall. Oh, man. Pitfall, best, best game ever. Hangman, Asteroids. Ten seconds, uh, Chris. Right. Thank you very much. I've been Chris Shanks and... I've been Brahill. Visit the Facebooks. <laughs> Retro Renaissance Podcast on Facebook and Retro, and Retro on them. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Good night.